Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and this is my first bonus episode. I'm going to be doing one bonus episode a month and I'm going to pick your questions that you DM me on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast and pick themes that I can talk to you about quickly, effectively, rooted in science, and also with the practical spin of a mom right there with you. Today's topic is yelling. Yelling is one of those parenting strategies that you didn't do on purpose. None of us sets out to yell. There's the occasional yeller who feels like that's the only way to get a child to listen. But for the most part, it means we've lost our cool and we just don't have a better solution. So even when we plan on staying calm, which I know I speak about a lot, taking a deep breath, pausing, helping to make sure we are regulated in response to our children's dysregulation, showing empathy. Those are all so important. And yet, if something about a situation pushes us over the edge, we find ourselves still yelling. So you can't teach a kid to stay calm in the face of distress and challenges if we can't stay calm. That's obviously why yelling does not work well. But more importantly, it doesn't actually feel good for you as the parent and it doesn't feel good for our kids. So we have to figure out ways around it and acknowledge it's still going to happen. So we need to repair. There are so many reasons why we yell, even though we know we shouldn't. Just like there are so many reasons we do a lot of things, even though we know we shouldn't. For one thing, it feels like it works at first when you're desperate because you can scare the daylights out of your kids. And in that moment, they will probably listen. The problem is that you have to up the ante every time you do it, or you will not be taken seriously. And how far can you go when you up that ante? We also interpret our kids' behavior through negative eyes. Typically, our lens is expecting that there was manipulation around it, that there was a lack of listening, that there's just this story that we tell ourselves about the future of this child if they don't correct their behavior immediately. Another reason we yell is that sometimes we use empathy to check the box. Like we've done that work. We've told them that we see them, we understand what they're going through. And also we expect a different behavior. The problem is we've got that anger bubbling up 
because we don't mean it. We actually just are doing that because we think that's the thing that you're supposed to do, the script that you we've, we've been given. So because we don't have all of our wizard brain intact when we're stressed out, we lead to yelling. And that is the knee-jerk response that our stress response allows for. And it's bad for our well-being. But when you don't know what else to do, you get fixated on getting some control over the situation. And so you revert to that yelling. So here are a few ways to reduce yelling in the household and have some actual parenting strategies to deal with this undesired behavior that triggers you into yelling and that disrupts your relationship. Now, not all behavior needs to be managed. That's kind of in and of itself a tricky word because there's such control in there, but it does need to be contained. There's just no getting around it. We can't just allow kids to grow without the containment of certain behaviors and instincts that they have as they're learning how to operate in the world. So we need a lot of practice, self-awareness, realistic expectations, effective tools, really intentional planning, and conscious effort to stop the yelling. So that's what we're talking about today. How to do that is the hardest part. So not only do we need to buy into the fact that yelling doesn't work except for as a temporary band-aid when you want to scare someone. And remember, someone who's scared, a child who's scared is not learning. So you're not teaching any lessons. But we also have to not just buy into it, but practice and become confident in strategies that don't require yelling. So they become our default mode so that we don't go into autopilot of yelling when we're stressed out and angry. because inevitably we're going to get angry. There is no chance that you're getting through parenting without anger daily, weekly if you're lucky, but certainly it's going to happen. So focusing less on what we want our kids to do and more on what we have to do to prioritize learning how to manage our own reactions and staying calm is how we're going to be able to have effective discipline. That discipline, as a reminder, for those of you who haven't heard me say this a thousand times, discipline from the word teach to teach, think disciple. So we're talking about making sure that we're teaching, not just scaring. Now, it used to be parents would spank. And now you can kind of think of Gilling is the new spanking. We know it's wrong, but we kind of do it anyway. And in fact, you can change behavior without having the negative consequences. So we've, I think, got the buy-in, which is why yelling is not a good strategy. But just in case, I'm going to give you a couple more reasons. Yelling also trains our kids not to even bother listening until we raise our voices. So it undermines the legitimacy of our concerns because we're now just dysregulated all the time. And again, it puts kids in their fight flight mode because then they can't learn, reflect or listen, which is our whole point in trying to teach them in the first place. And if you get kids to comply only to avoid the discomfort of being yelled at or the threats that come with the yelling, these are not lessons that will be internalized. And when you're not around, 
you can guarantee that those lessons are not being put into action. Yelling also can escalate and become more frequent and increase rates of child anxiety and depression and delinquent behavior. It undermines trust and accountability and parental authority and respect, that very respect that sometimes you feel like you're not getting and then you yell about. It makes us stressed out at home and it hurts our connection with our kids and teaches them to do the same thing in their peer situation. So it kind of has a negative effect on peer experiences. And when we yell, we don't usually say kind things. So it's not just the tone of our voice, but we're often combining yelling with criticism, with shaming, shaming meaning criticizing who your child is versus the behavior. And it really does teach that yelling is a good approach to conflict resolution, which is not what we really are going for. So now you have buy-in. Let's talk about what strategies you can do to get yourself off of the yelling track. First of all, be compassionate with yourself. You're still going to yell. You can set out not to. Mistakes are going to happen. Let go of that. Yelling makes us feel guilty, which is probably why we yelled in the first place. And so don't come down hard on yourself or your kids. Just acknowledge that it's going to keep happening, but you're doing the best you can. Because let me tell you, if you feel like you're the worst parent ever, your brain is going to want to feel better. Your brain's going to want to do some action to make you feel better. And so you're going to criticize yourself, beat yourself up, and you need to fight that with self-compassion. And now a word from my favorite hair care sponsor, Now there's even more to love. In case you don't remember, Gemist is a science-backed hair care that uses your hair data to match you with products. After taking a two-minute quiz, I matched with Shampoo 5 and Conditioner 12 and their brand new Cream Styler. And now I've been hooked on this shampoo and conditioner for months. And the Cream Styler is new and I'm hooked as well. The Cream Styler includes a patented UV protection blend while hydrating to increase softness and help control and tame my hair. Is it magic? No, it's science, which is my favorite. And you can also save money by subscribing and never be left in the shower with empty bottles again. And did I mention Gemist is women-owned. The CEO and founder is a mom of two, a dog mom, a Harvard grad, And you can save 20% on every order with Smart Subscribe and get free shipping based on your hair length and washing frequency, which personalize your subscription frequency by weeks. So it's flexible and easy to skip shipments. There are free returns. It's just so good. My kids try to steal it. So if you're ready to have the best hair ever, right now, my listeners can give Gemma's to try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner and Styler Smart Subscription. Smart Subscriptions already saved 20%. So this is an additional 20%. And with free two-day shipping, you can have it by the weekend. Just visit Gemis.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Raising Good Humans at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two-day shipping. That's gemist.com, G-E-M-M-I-S-T.com and enter code RaisingGoodHumans at checkout to get the best hair ever. (laughs) So here are the strategies that we can get better at 
so that we can do the not yelling thing a little more than we do the yelling thing. Remember, not yelling takes planning and practice and effort. Yelling just takes your stress response, your brain, you flipping your lid, you name it. You want to set realistic goals, you know, have self-compassion because you know that you're not going to actually be able to never yell. In fact, I don't recommend making unrealistic promises like I'm not going to yell anymore. I'm going to work on not getting so angry. Instead, focus on what you can control. Use negative emotions to inform how to get better at managing how you react when you're angry and frustrated. That means really find out what your triggers are. What are the things that get to you? They are guaranteed to be different for each one of you. Your co-parent is going to have different triggers. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you flip out and are set off by something that your partner has absolutely no response or reaction to? They're just kind of like letting it go. They don't take it personally. And then some other time you'll have the reverse situation. That's because we all come with our own baggage, our own insecurities, our own triggers, and we need to identify what those are. And the best way to do that is to pay attention to how your body feels in that moment when you feel like losing it. What are the running themes so that you can pay attention when they happen? Then you want to find those practices that help you get calm. Those are practices you always want your kids to have. They're not going to get them and have access to them if you can't have access to yours. So pick a few calming strategies and practice them every day so that they become quick to access. And they're just tools that help get you out of your stress brain, stress response that pushes you toward the yelling. So a couple of examples of practices are just a good breath in, count to four, hold for three, out for two. You might have a mantra that you say to yourself as you're taking that deep breath. So your body just has this phrase that you just remind yourself. It can be really personal to you, but it's that thing. It can be something that makes you laugh because you know that laughter is not something that can happen when you're having a stress response. You can't yell and laugh at the same time. You could try, but you'll end up, everybody's going to be laughing. So if there's a way for you to pull some humor into anything where you're feeling like you're having a crazy response and you really know that it's ridiculous, but you just can't stop yourself. Maybe you have a funny mantra to tell yourself. Whatever those tools are, you can also pick a song that you just tell yourself, I'm going to sing this the chorus of this song before I respond and it's going to remind me of being calm. Whatever that is, find a meditation practice every day. That's the whole point. You're practicing so that your brain is able to go really quickly out of that yell response, that stress response into a place where you can actually respond calmly. So that when you know what situations are going to set you off, you can approach them more consciously and be prepared for the inevitable moment when you want to scream. Also pay attention to your body signals. If you can't intellectualize it, if you're not the kind of person that's like, I know exactly what my triggers are. There are these moments, it's transition times, it's bedtime, it's when I'm really tired, it's when I'm hungry, whatever. It's when my child talks back to me. It's whatever those those triggers are. If you can't think of them, pay attention to your body. 
it's much easier to calm down if you haven't already lost it. So find the ways that your body signals that you're headed towards a stress response, but you're not there yet. You might clench your fist. You might get sweaty palms. You might start to notice that your breathing is going faster and faster. You might just clench your teeth, figure out what your physiological signals are. And when those happen, call on those strategies, the breath, whatever it is, to get you back to a place where you can respond in a way that you'll feel good about. Worst case, if you have to yell, yell something ridiculous. Like it's just a release of frustration. So figure out something silly you can shout out. I'm so mad I could eat you for dinner. Just whatever it is, make it like so you can yell without the fear and anger and all of that, but you get the release. So find a way at least to yell something ridiculous and make a vow to yourself to do whatever you can to resist the urge to criticize or shame your child for who they are. Like that's the thing that's hardest to repair. So if you want to say something ridiculous, go for it, but try to always remind yourself if you're going to criticize, criticize a behavior, not the human in front of you. And definitely do not try and teach during that time. You can't teach, your child can't learn. So angrily shouting out warnings and lessons is going to actually undermine any authority you have. And it will put your child into the same mode you're in, which is fight or flight. Put things into perspective. So it's normal for kids to do things, to whine, to talk back, to push limits, to try to stay up later. And being aware of that will make it easier to deal with it. So part of understanding your child's developmental phases and understanding your child in terms of their temperament and what they've been through and understanding what their day is like and what their triggers are, that's all part of helping you put things in perspective. If you know, oh, look, they're going to push back at these points. That's to be expected. That's what kids do. You just won't take it as personally or panic that if you don't fix this in that moment that your child's going to become a terrible child. And you also want to be proactive because if you know in advance that there are certain high intensity situations that lead to yelling, try to find ways around it. For example, if filling the backpack every morning becomes a fight because you thought it was done and it wasn't done and it's taking too long and you're running late, make a rule that the backpack gets fixed, filled, checked the night before and put right at the door. And that's part of the nighttime routine so that that doesn't need to be a fight in the morning. And here are three incredibly important final thoughts on yelling. Make sure when it happens, because it still will, that you are vigilant about repair. So use the parenting moments you regret to model positive conflict resolution and protect the beautiful connection you have with your child by taking responsibility and making amends. So that even if your child forgives you without having a conversation about it, and even if you guys move on, that you consciously name what happened and acknowledge that it wasn't your intention 
and that you understand that it must have been scary or upsetting or whatever happened and how you're going to make amends and do better next time. What's your plan? Remember not to parent on empty. You have to find a way to put your oxygen mask on first every day, not because you're selfish, but because that's how you can be more available in the brain that you're hoping to be available with as a parent every day. You need to protect time in your day to recharge your batteries so that you can be available as a parent that is functioning. So it's important. It is not selfish. And finally, back to what I was saying in the beginning about compassion for yourself and for your child, really give yourself grace. There is absolutely no reason to expect that you're going to just stop having human reactions because you just made the decision to and holding on to the guilt that keeps us from moving forward and makes us kind of feel hopeless is going to make it less likely that you'll reduce yelling that's going on and less likely that you'll be able to end the cycle. So notice your thoughts and be on the lookout for self-critical thoughts so that you can counter them by giving yourself grace and reminding yourself that it is normal to mess up. It's normal to fall back into old habits. And you, as a parent who's making mistakes, are modeling that it's okay to make mistakes and expect it and you grow from it. And this is all part of the big picture, the big grand marathon of parenting, not little races. So you're going to have so many opportunities to keep on growing and working on this. And you can separate yourself from those minor mistakes and just recognize that they're gonna, you're going to do better next time and make sure that you have attainable goals so that you stop saying to yourself, you have to be this perfect, calm, present, available parent 24 hours a day. You won't. So let that go and try to make more realistic goals and think about what are those things that get in the way of meeting my goals. And then you can have a strategy and intention. And I hope that when you do use any of these strategies, that you will recognize the work you've done and give yourself a pat on the back. Like definitely remind yourself how hard that was and that you did it because we can do hard things. And this is hard. This is hard stuff, but it's well worth it because of course, this is about our own self-regulation and building the self-regulation of our children, building connections and helping grow good humans. 